Today we are talking about two small yet significant words in John 3:16. So loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We will break this down into three topics. Define love, we will describe love, and then God's love. So to get our minds and hearts in sync with his love, think of a time when you felt loved. Bear with me for just a moment. I would like for you to shut your eyes and dwell on a time in when you felt loved. Do you remember your age? Do you remember who you were with? Can you feel the joy springing from your heart? Did you feel safe, secure, known, seen? You felt loved. Open your eyes. What a sweet moment as I look out because I saw so many people smiling as they reminisced on a time when they felt loved. Well, let me take you back 50 years before most of you were even born. And it was 1972 and it was my seventh birthday. Now, we only can celebrate our birthdays on Saturday because my mother was a teacher and my father was a pastor. And so Saturday was birthday day. Now, when you're in the Reskovac family, and yes, that was my maiden name, thank goodness I married a Watson. <laughs> I looked for a Jones and a Smith, but Watson will do because Reskovac is a mouthful. At the Reskovac house, when you turned seven, you got to go on the Reskovac mystery trip. And I had seen these a couple times because I have a brother who's two years older. And so we went on my first mystery trip. Now, mamas of littles here, this is now illegal and against the law. You will get arrested. <laughs> I thought it was way cool, though, 50 years ago, because a mystery trip is you get in the car, and we had a 1970 Cutlass. I loved it. It was beige. And you would be blindfolded if it was your birthday. So you're sitting in the back of a car blindfolded. Think about it today. <laughs> kids in the back seat with blindfolds on, you would be arrested. And we would have to guess if it was your day where you were going. And we drove and drove and drove. And when we finally got to the place, I was escorted out of the car and I could smell water. But I thought, I don't know where I am. And so as my parents led me and my brother laughing behind, led me down to an area where I wasn't sure where I was, they handed me a package that felt like cardboard and then cellophane on top, and I was feeling and I couldn't decipher what that was. And then I got another little plastic thing, and I couldn't decipher what that was. But as soon as they put my hand in a bucket of minnows, I knew we were fishing. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was a tomboy, and that was the best mystery trip ever. I got my own pole, my own tackle box, and my bucket of minnows, and we fished all day. Ladies, this birthday celebration sealed a memory in my mind of the first time I felt truly loved, sacrificial love from my parents. Now, being a journalism major, I appreciate words and definitions and context. To, be, to begin exploring God's love for us, we need to begin with defining 
four Greek words for love found in the Bibles. First is eros. It's a sexual or romantic love. It's the love between a husband and a wife. Probably the most well-known word for love. However, it is not used in the New Testament. Then we have phileo. It's a fraternal or friendly love. The love that you would show a brother or a friend. We also have storge, and that is familial love. That is our love for our family. And then last, but most importantly, we have agape, self-sacrificial love. The word connotes a conscious action rather than an emotional feeling. Common in the New Testament describes God's love for the entire human race. God's love isn't sentimental. It's a part of his character. God loves from an outpouring of who he is. His love is undeserving. It's gracious and it's sacrificial. Agape is a choice. It's a deliberate striving for another's highest good. It is demonstrated through action. God set the standard for agape love in sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. This is the type of love the Bible speaks about the most. The New Testament refers to agape over 200 times. Agape love, ladies, does not come naturally to us. However, it does come naturally to God in his integral part of him. By drawing close to him and experiencing his love, we are able to begin to understand what his real love means. Only through him can we show and experience agape love. So my journalist mind diverts to, is love a verb or a noun? Let's turn to the apostle of love for help with this. Who is the apostle of love, you might ask? Great question. The apostle of love is John. Before John met Jesus, he was an ordinary fisherman and earned the nickname Son of Thunder, probably because he and his brother James wanted to call fire from heaven to destroy a Samaritan village. After John answered the call to follow Jesus, he left fishing behind and became fully committed as a disciple for Christ. John's life reflected humility and selflessness. John was so humble that he, when he wrote the Gospel of John, he did not even mention his own name. Instead, he referred to himself merely as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Some refer to him as a beloved disciple. His entire identity is wrapped up in Jesus. Amazing transformation to go from son of thunder to beloved disciple. John wrote more than love, excuse me, John wrote more about love in his gospel and epistles than any other disciple. So he is definitely known as the apostle of love. 1 John 4, 8 states, God is love. By saying this, John is pointing out the origin of love. In the previous verse, he writes, love is from God. True love is a part of and comes from the most beautiful, most valuable, most satisfying treasure that exists, God. God so loved. It is true that love is also a verb. In English, we use forms of the word love as nouns, verbs, adverbs, adjectives, but that doesn't change the fact 
that love in its divine origin is an action-producing noun. Love is displayed in action. Another well-known Bible verse, 1 Corinthians 13, describes love this way. You're pretty familiar with it. You hear it a lot of weddings, but this was actually used to talk to the church. Telling the church that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. How comforting to know that love never fails. It's also overwhelming to imagine that Paul, who's credited for writing this verse, Paul, imagine that, formerly a man named Saul, and one who persecuted followers of Jesus found the love and mercy of Jesus Christ while traveling down a road to Damascus. The very Jesus he protested against is the very one who came near and spoke to Paul one-on-one. -on -one. God radically changed Paul's life with love, and he can change our lives too. It's a simple reminder that love is available and waiting for all of us. But let's not forget the small two-letter word before love, so. There are two possible meanings for this word. The Greek word, hutos, is the degree to which God loves us. The English is the manner in which he loves us. Both of these translations are both true and beautiful. Both emphasize intensity of God's love for us. He so loved us. So what does this look like to receive God's love? 1 John 4.19 states, We love because he first loved us. He is pouring his love into us as a conduit for us to experience his love, understand it, and offer it to others. This picture is a pure expression of this love for us and others. But what if we don't feel loved? Know that feelings come and go but God is always pursuing us. <clears throat> if you currently are in a valley, whether it's health, family, career, friendships, cling to him, dig into his word during this time. We are all on a continuum. We are in a valley, coming out of a valley, we're at the mountaintop, but God is constant during those times. Seek him. All through scripture, we see that the measure of God's love is immeasurable. Luke 15 outlines three parables for us to visualize God's love for us. First, the parable of the lost sheep. What shepherd leaves their 99 to find one? One sheep, who does that? God our Father, he does that. He loves us. The love he has for us is radical. In the parable of a lost coin, a woman tears her, her home apart, looking for one coin. Ladies, if I lost one penny, would I turn my house upside down? Absolutely not. However, in both parables, God 
desperately seeks us. Whether we're a sheep, whether we're a coin, he seeks us. Lastly, the prodigal son takes all of his inheritance, squanders it, resorts to feeding pigs to exist, and decides to go back home. Unexpectedly, he is greeted by his father with open arms and even receives a party. Our father waits for us. Even when we have gone astray and don't deserve it, he loves us unconditionally. What would this world look like if we all loved unconditionally? When my children were little, I created lots of mom rules. One that I created was tattoos mean that you do not love your mother. (laughs) One day, my four-year-old was watching his cousin in the front window mowing our lawn. And due to the heat, cousin Blake took his shirt off. And all of a sudden, my son comes running to me crying, Mom, Blake doesn't love Aunt Brenda. What are you talking about? Mom, he has a tattoo. Little did I know he was right. He did have a tattoo. We saw it on his back and I I diverted and I said, oh, well that mom rule is just for us. It's just the immediate family. Crisis diverted. Fast forward 11 years. Before my oldest Emily went off to college, I created another mom rule that would only play a part, that we would only pay for in-state tuition if you stayed tattoo-free through those four years. (laughs) Now, let me note, this rule was not for Emily, but more for Ben due to his spontaneous nature, and I needed that seed to be rooted early because he had three more years before going to college. Emily, my firstborn, is my rule-following, God-fearing, old soul, deep-rooted, down-to-earth child who would never defile her body, ever. This rule had to be restated three years later before Ben went to school. It's amazing the rules I put in place so I could be in control. Needless to say, God's pursuit of my heart and transformation continues to amaze me even today. As I've told this group before, my mom and my Shiro died unexpectedly in November of 2020. In November of 2021, a year after she died, Ben decided to get a tattoo. Since he was 24 and I was no longer paying for his undergrad degree, I had no say in the matter. I thought he's always talked about getting a Pantheon, the picture of a Pantheon, and I thought that that's what he would go get. Instead, he came home inked with an exact replica of a butterfly that was on the last letter my mom, his grams, sent to him. My mom loved butterflies. Excuse me. It was a symbol symbol of God's love and transformative power in our lives and her life specifically. She even had butterfly china. Who buys butterfly china? (laughs) No one but my mom. God continued to work in this mama's heart to submit to him and release my control. Still working on it, obviously. I keep telling myself that life is a journey and not a destination. Ladies, we have to enjoy the present. In the fall of 2021, Ben moved back into our home as he was working on his graduate degree. 
Within two weeks of living with his parents, he, start, he stated that he wanted to move out of state. <laughs> Imagine that. Remember, he's my spontaneous and adventurous child. Thrilled that he wanted to experience life outside of Oklahoma, I asked him to wait until the end of the semester was done to ensure that he was not running away from something, but running to something. During this time, he kept talking about the meaning of tattoos, and I said, maybe one day. What? I said, maybe one day? Where did that come from? It must have been the Holy Spirit. For six months, Ben would continue to bring up the tattoo idea. I knew where I would put in a tattoo, I just didn't know what. So on July 29th, 2022, the last day that Ben spent in Oklahoma before we moved him to Seattle, we created a permanent memory. No blindfolds were needed for this trip, ladies. Ben finally got the Pantheon as he loved since he was 16. It's a line from a song that states, love is like a pantheon, it carries on forever. God loves and does, God's love does carry on forever and it's infinite. Hence the circle around the tattoo with four stars, signifying one for me, my husband, daughter Emily, and Ben, our sweet family. I chose to use the last letter my mom wrote to me on her pink and gold butterfly stationery. The two small words in her handwriting, love you, attached to a butterfly, signifying how God's love has transformed me, my shiro, and to continue to love others big. I went from tattoos mean you hate your mom <laughs> to let's honor your mom and make a permanent memory. Love changes us, ladies changes us. So let's pursue him. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 states, the greatest commandment tells us that this, love the Lord your God, God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. That's where pursuing love begins. Look at the noun, gaze at God and his love. Dive into the greatest commandment in the long run because of the actions it will produce. This is the most loving thing that we can do, gaze at God in his love. The fact that God gave Jesus for us is not a measurement of our great worth, it's a measurement of his great love for God so loved. On your table, you all receive stickers like this. I encourage you to take this sticker, put it somewhere that you can read it daily or give it to somebody who you feel needs to feel love. It's a reminder, ladies, that you are so loved. Let us pray. Precious Father, we are so grateful. We are grateful for you and how audacious your love is for us. Lord, we don't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it. Lady, I, lady, Lord, I ask that these ladies can lean into you to know that you're waiting and seeking them every day. Give them time to just revel in how amazing you are. You are the author and perfecter of us and love, and we are so grateful. 
It's in your precious name. And all God's women said, amen.